Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. So, McCall, you're looking pretty tan. <laughs> as tan as McCall can I look. I was like, if you know what I look like, then you know that uh, I don't tan. It's just I have more freckles. <laughs> the freckles are becoming one large freckle. And now she's really tan. But you just got back from vacation. I did. In our last podcast, I told you that I always take a family vacation at the end of summer. And it was fantastic. You oh. know, we went with mom, dad, brother, sister, their significant others, my mm-hmm. niece, my daughter. And I got to see my 98-year-old grandmother. So that's really like the best and highlight part of my trip. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure it was her highlight, too, having her whole family there. It was. It was nice. We went to the facility where she stays. Oh. And they have a little dining room that's separate from the big like common hall dining room and um, people can reserve the room to have like family dinners so we did a family lunch and it was super sweet you know we wheeled her down to the room and we all had like sandwiches and fruit and cookie well the kids had cookies and then like ran around like crazy yeah but it was a lot of fun to just see her and just really have that family time together because she is older so every year we come visit her we're not sure if it's the last one so it, it was a nice way to you know get some good memories I love that. Yeah. And Gia enjoying the ocean? Well, we'll say she enjoyed the sandbar. She didn't enjoy so much uh, actually walking up to the ocean, which yeah. was fine. Understandable. We, we had a lot of reports of uh, jellyfish stings, so yeah. that was the last thing I'd want for her first experience in the ocean. Right, to scar her just a little bit. Yeah. But. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was fantastic. I know you missed me, but you I went somewhere did. while I was away. Oh, I did. And yours yeah. might be a little more exciting. Uh, no, it's not. Um, but I did. I got to finally go to the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, went to California. With my husband for an Ed Sheeran concert, um, he was amazing. Which I, I've always liked him, but seeing uh, seeing an artist you like perform live can either like make it or break it. I always feel, mm-hmm. and his live performance was absolutely outstanding. And I got to put my feet in the Pacific Ocean because I've never done that, so mm-hmm. I got to check a few more things off our list. This is like our summer of vacation of um, adventures. I feel like with my husband and I. Question about the ocean park because my brother was there a few weeks ago and he mm-hmm. said like you had to run across the sand because the sand was so so hot and then you put your foot in the water and it, and was, it was like so cold. Ice cold. Yes, that was basically it. It was very brief. We did not swim, um, but it was beautiful. I mean, the water is really pretty though. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear since I grew up on the shores of Lake Erie, uh, which you know, yeah, <laughs> it's had better days. <laughs> so our our guest today actually is from the West Coast. I know we have a West Coast guest, a very special one that McCall and I both know. We've both met. We've both gotten to, um, you know, kind of work with him, I guess, mm-hmm. as much as we can. We get to have a conference with all of our meteorologists from our company. Um, so it's great to meet other Mets that are doing their thing mm-hmm. at different stations. And he's a uh, Pretty far away from us because he is on the West Coast. Uh, Chief Meteorologist Morgan Palmer from Cairo in Seattle is joining us. Uh, He has been with Cairo News since 2011. Before, he worked as a meteorologist in Fort Myers, Florida. And he actually started his career in Texas doing a little bit of everything. Uh, But Palmer holds both the AMS seal of approval and the NWA seal of approval. So he has, uh, you know, a very 
awesome resume. He's a very dedicated meteorologist. And to be honest, if you are on Twitter, he is worth a follow. Yes. Um, his Twitter handle is at Morgan Cairo 7, the number seven. Um, sometimes I don't know if Morgan ever sleeps because he's just <laughs> constantly tweeting. And it's, of course, weather stuff, but just a lot of really interesting topics. Um, and we had our podcast episode where we talked to Don Parker from Skywarn. Interesting fact about Morgan is that he actually uh, was or is since a teen um, a Skywarn severe storm spotter, wow. which he started in high school. Um, so, like I said, we've gotten to meet Morgan. We're really excited for you to meet him, and he is going to shed light on a part of the country that, well, McCall and I just visit or read about or, you know, look at the big maps, but that's about it. Yeah, each location across the country has a different way of looking at weather and how it impacts their community. And uh, I'm really excited to have Morgan on the show. And Morgan, hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. I just want our viewers to know that we tape this show around 10 a.m. So Eastern time. So what time is it right now? Uh, it's a little after 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> what time did you go to bed? Because you work nights. <laughs> I get to bed a little after 1 a.m. Yeah. So he is a very dedicated and kind <laughs> chief meteorologist because I reached out and said, uh, we could push this back, whatever you want. And he's like, oh, no, that's fine. I was like, wow. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So good morning. And thank you. Thank you for waking up with us this morning. So let's start off, Morgan. Um, we always start off talking about stories of our guests' lives and your path like really where did it start when did you start really liking weather and and how did you get to the point that you're at now i'm not really sure exactly when it started um the very first thing i ever wanted to be was a weatherman and that comes from a very early age i have some family in the business but that really wasn't an influence uh but the first thing i wanted to be was uh, a weatherman the second thing i wanted to be was peter jennings (laughs) and so kind of took a took a path that led me uh, from weather to news back to weather again. So I sort of have done just about everything, yeah. uh, I guess, except sports. But I, I did that when I was uh, <laughs> in Texas for a little bit as well, some Friday night football. Nice. So I've kind of done everything as far as local news goes on the on-air side. Mm-hmm. But uh, starting out in uh, Texas, I grew up in uh, west central Texas, a small town called Abilene. And, well, not a small town, but uh, <laughs> a relatively small city and was fascinated with severe weather something that's interesting and i wrote a blog about this years ago and i don't even know where i put that blog now (laughs) um was that i was terrified by severe weather terrified by storms when i was small and i've noticed or at least i've I've spoken to a number of meteorologists through the years Mm -hmm. who had a similar experience that they were absolutely terrified, a lot more than their friends and their peers, right. by severe weather, hail, tornadoes, thunder and lightning, when they were very little. And then that turned into a fascination with weather as they grew up. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened with me. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just a lifelong fascination. As soon as I got a driver's license, I was out, uh, in, in essence, chasing storms before. <laughs> Before the movie Twister came out, right. yeah. really was talking about that, uh, Twister changed a lot of things, and I haven't done much of that really since about that era, yeah. just because it's so crazy out there, and me, you guys know about that. Yeah. Um, then went, uh, you know, started my career in in Texas, and I was in East Texas for about eight and a half years at a a great station, TV station there, 
and then went to Fort Myers, Florida, and then here in Seattle. So I haven't moved around as, as much as some people do in this business. Right. Well, and, and it's funny because I feel like there's a misconception of what Seattle is like. And you would think, why would you finish and, in, yeah. and stay in Seattle? What, what's so great about Seattle? We want to know. Seattle is, is an interesting place because the weather is it, – it's so much different, especially when I go to conferences and speak with friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I forecasted hurricanes and tornadoes, uh, but the weather up here, frankly, can be a little more tedious. Yeah. I, I use that word a lot. It's tedious. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into forecasting in the Pacific Northwest, especially in the Seattle area. Seattle and San Francisco are two areas that have – a lot of microclimates. Mm-hmm. We have the ocean. We have Puget Sound. We have the mountains. We have islands. And we have very small-scale features like the Puget Sound Conversion Zone, mm-hmm. which most people have not heard about if they're not from the Northwest. Right. It's a meteorological feature that the people here in the Pacific Northwest know. It, it's a household name in itself <laughs> because it's a small feature that causes a very rapid change in weather mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. certain days under certain conditions uh, around the Seattle area. And it's where wind currents come around the Olympic Mountains. They get blocked like uh, a, a boulder blocks the flow of water in a stream, mm-hmm. and the water goes around the boulder. Well, the airflow coming in off the Pacific Ocean goes around the boulder in the stream, which is the Olympic Mountain Range, to the west of Seattle, and when those air currents come back together behind the boulder in the stream and collide over the Seattle area, you get a thin ribbon sometimes of extremely heavy precipitation, whether it be heavy rain and hail or snow. Right. And it can be a mile or two wide from north to south, be perfectly sunny north and south of there, and be this meandering, waving, almost, it looks like it's living, ribbon of heavy precipitation that sits in this area surrounded by sunshine. Very <laughs> difficult to predict, and it takes a long time to to really get it down to where you can predict it mm-hmm. and forecast it moving north and south as the wind flow changes. Things like that are really unique to the Pacific Northwest. Now, that is amazing. And, well, McCall and I both grew up in Lake Effect country. I was in yeah. Cleveland, and McCall was... Mm-hmm. Uh, in upstate New York. So it is interesting that people that grow up in that region or understand it, like explaining lake effect snow bands to someone and just understanding that your city is going to get 10 inches of snow and two miles to the east or west, it's sunny and cold and no snow fell. Um, So yes, that that sounds very familiar to us, um, just having to deal with something that is such a hyper, hyper local, even Mm -hmm. just within a city or a community. Um, and understanding that kind of thing. It's, and it is very tricky, of course. Yeah, like forecasting it can be, you can forecast that you know that this situation is going to set up, right. but you may not necessarily know where that heaviest of the rain is going to fall. Yeah. So being in Seattle, right. so how many years have you been in forecasting in Seattle then? Since 2000? I've been here about seven, um, yeah, close to eight years now. Wow. So see, that's, you know, that's nothing to laugh at. That's quite a few years to be mm-hmm. forecasting the same area. It, it takes it takes a little bit of time up here. It really takes about a year mm-hmm. for meteorologists to get their sea legs, so to speak, under them. <laughs> yeah, my nice. first year, I had to ask a lot of questions. Yeah, uh, just because not just because I came from Florida, I knew the meteorology, but there are so many things up here you just have to experience first. Yeah, you have to see it firsthand. 
uh, before you really get it. Yeah. I will uh, ask you this question. I've asked a couple other meteorologists this as well. Um, and it, maybe it's just your opinion or a comment you want to add to it. But uh, I feel as if no matter how long I've been forecasting, and I've been blessed to stay in Ohio, just different parts of Ohio. Um, but as a meteorologist, it I think is a very, very humbling career because you could be so smart and get it right and then you know, you miss something and you have to go back and look at it and say, what did I miss? You know, oh, it was actually the Storm Prediction Center. Yeah. Um, Joey. Joey. Who, you know, he forecasts for the mm-hmm. Storm Prediction Center. No yeah. pressure there. And he had said kind of the same thing of just, it's humbling to kind of get knocked down every now and then where you're like, wow, okay, what did I miss? I can always keep learning. It's, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. It, it, it is a humbling thing. What we experience in in weather now in meteorology, the National Weather Service experiences this, and we certainly experience it in TV, is now everyone's everyone's a, a meteorologist, so to speak, because they have the yeah. forecast in their pocket. They don't have to tune into the six o'clock news to see what um, the meteorologist pointing at the map has to say about tomorrow. And also, even though the saying is "we always get it wrong." How mm-hmm. often have we heard from people, oh, you you, 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 you always get it wrong. Oh, yeah. it would be nice to be wrong half the time and keep your job. Ha ha. <laughs> how, many of, how many of us have heard that? Too? Yeah. But at the same time, they expect it to be right 100% of the time. And they, they have a right to, experience, to, uh, to expect it to be correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but meteorology, whether it's the year 2018 or the year 2118, is never going to be perfect yeah. it's a yeah. science there are things that we don't know uh most humbling thing that happened here hands down was two it'll be two years ago this october every meteorologist in the northwest in western washington national weather service uh academia we have a large um, meteorology department at the university of washington mm-hmm. television news we all saw it was our prime season for wind storms here in the Northwest. So we can get some very, very strong mid-latitude storms that come in here, can have sustained winds of 60, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. And we have a lot of trees here. It causes havoc oh, when yeah. we have winds that really top about 40 or 50 miles an hour. We have a lot of people whose power, frankly, we have usually winds get up that high, we had some people die. Oh, no, that's fall. We had a windstorm that we all felt wasn't going to be the storm of the century. It wasn't going to be the worst storm that ever existed, but it was going to be the worst storm that we probably have had in about five years. Mm. And as it moved in, I was watching with another meteorologist. We were on the air. We did some early coverage. Mm-hmm. It was a Saturday, and we were banging the drum that this was going to be something that we needed everybody to pay attention to this was going to be bad tonight and it turned out the storm came in had top winds of about 40 to 50 miles an hour mm-hmm. we were going about 55 65 miles an hour doesn't sound like a lot but trees start snapping up here when you get about 50 50 miles an hour mm-hmm. yeah the difference of 15 20 miles an hour and the impact up here was going to be a big deal what happened and what we couldn't resolve because we can't see, we can't, we don't have uh, all of these weather stations in the Pacific Ocean like we have on right. land yeah, to right. detect air pressure. Yeah. There was a second small area of low pressure on the west side of this that we 
a very tiny little, the dumbbell low pressure system, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Little area of low pressure on the west side of the big area of low pressure. And the big area of low pressure did not deepen or strengthen as much as we thought as it made its approach. Um, We couldn't resolve that, and we didn't resolve it out until post-analysis. Yeah. Boy, did we take heat for that. Yeah. Yeah. We took heat for that for days because that weekend was homecoming weekend. Oh, my gosh. A lot of schools around the area. (laughs) Homecoming dances were canceled. Oh, no. uh, The games were Friday night, but there were so many homecoming dances on Saturday. Yep. Oh, man. And we took a lot of heat. It was, we, we, we took heat for months from that. Yeah. And, and even last year, when we started talking about windy systems coming our way, well, you missed, you missed last year how right. in the world mm-hmm. can you forecast this one. Yeah, it's very, so it's so critical. That was the biggest miss up here, and we, I'm, I'm sure we're going to hear about it again this fall, and <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, and, and but like you said, rightfully so. Yes. Um, and for us that are in the, the business, we have to take those hard lumps yeah. and and. Mm-hmm understand it and try to learn from it and mm-hmm. and just keep going and have the tough skin and yeah. really continue with it as long as we have the passion for what we're doing and really at the end of the day Kirsty and I have talked about it many and many of times if there is one storm that saves one life that's all that matters yeah. I'll continue to take those lumps and those misforecasts for us how much yeah. snow we're going to get oh yeah is Oof. it two inches or is it five inches which is for us for us that's a, a big, big deal, deal. You know, yeah um but you have to you have to keep doing it because it's not about us. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. the people that are watching us. Yeah. and uh. Right. And my news director walked into the studio and this was, um, I mean, we were still in storm coverage and he pointed at me. He didn't point. I mean, he pointed at me, the chief meteorologist, that you own it. Mm-hmm. And he walked out of the studio. And here's the reality, so, though. Like you said, it wasn't 50 yeah. to 60 mile an hour winds bringing down trees. But, but it still let's say, was. Let's say that all of those homecoming dances happened and there were mm-hmm. that many more people out on the road or doing right. whatever when those storms came in it doesn't have to be a 50 mile an hour or 60 mile an hour wind to be dangerous for someone right. to be outside in those conditions like 45 mile an hour right. 40 mile right. an hour winds, Drive those are dangerous 40 yeah that's so i mean yeah while you, you you don't know could there have been someone that could have been injured or hurt or possibly worse yeah. because they didn't stay home because of your forecast yeah so. Right. So one, one, one thing very briefly about wrapping that up is that we all went out there and we, <laughs> we <laughs> fell on our swords and yeah. we said, we screwed up. Yeah. We missed this. We got it wrong. Here's why we got it wrong. If you're interested, because you actually want to hear our explanation. Right. Most people didn't want to hear the explanation. But the good thing about the new, you, you guys have the full, um, the full, not full access, but the full benefit right now is the GO-16 satellite, the next generation satellite. Mm-hmm. Yes. The GO-17 satellite that's going to be operational, even though it has a few kinks, a few issues, it's going to be okay. Uh, that's our Western next generation satellite going operational in the fall. I believe that we would have been able to see, mm-hmm. we would have been able to detect better that second very small area of low pressure that didn't allow the main area of low pressure to deepen as much as we thought. Right. Yeah, that's so, so true. That's, that's one thing going forward. We're going to it's going to revolutionize. Yeah. Weather forecasting on the west coast like, because we have a vast ocean where our weather is coming from, where we'll have some ship reports, we have some aircraft reports, 
but we otherwise can't really tell what's happening between here and Japan. Right, and that, that still blows my mind. I mean, we have a whole continent in the United States. By the time something develops over in the Pacific Northwest and gets to us, we, we have just so much more data that is collected before we even have to handle it in Ohio. So, yes, those next the next generation satellites are... Oh, going to be amazing mm-hmm. very very exciting and we have talked about that before on this podcast so once again just hearing from not only us here in ohio but you know in seattle morgan's excited about that as well mm-hmm. one thing morgan that was not exciting and is still a problem that you guys are dealing with that i, I know a lot of people um, across the united states have been paying close attention to is um the wildfire smoke that is being impacted in seattle i've seen a lot of photos and stuff and it is it's kind of alarming. Um, so if you want to kind of explain to someone that maybe doesn't understand what is going on with the air quality over Seattle, you know, what is going on? Right. The air quality here, we have just um, we have just ended as I'm as I'm speaking to you this morning. This is Thursday morning. Boy, let me take a look at this here in a moment. But we've had about 72 hours, more than 72 hours of unhealthy air Oof. in Seattle. And sure enough, the station that's closest to where I am in the Seattle area is still recording unhealthy air. This is by far the longest duration that we have had uh, air that has been labeled unhealthy, mm-hmm. not just unhealthy for sensitive groups, uh, but flat out unhealthy in western Washington. In recorded history, recorded history, though, only goes back to about the year 2000. Oh, okay. Regular okay. records of, of air quality were not taken before that as mm-hmm. far as uh, with the stations, with the technology that we have now that are really measuring all the air particles. Um, before that, there were some very bad episodes. But this, in, in the memory, living memory, this is, this is by far the worst. And, and we've had two bouts of this. We had one last year. We had, one, we had three, actually. One last year that got everybody's attention mm-hmm. when we had wildfires in central Washington, and we had an easterly and northeasterly wind, mm, wildfires yeah. in central Washington and British Columbia. We were getting all of that smoke. And then we had a fire that was in the Cascades, mm-hmm. which, if you're not familiar with western Washington, we have a north to south range of mountains, beautiful mountains called the Cascades, that are to the east of the Seattle area that sort of bisects north to south, split north to south the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. We had a fire a little bit closer and everything came together one day, and I believe it was September of last year, where the sky turned red and ash was falling from the sky in mm. Seattle. Wow. You would have thought that Mount Rainier had, <sighs> had blown its top. That was probably so scary uh, yeah. to people. Yeah, it, it, it was otherworldly. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've had two instances like that so far this year, one last week and one this week. Oh, my goodness. Where the ash was actually being lofted from a huge wildfire nearly 100 miles to the northeast of Seattle. And the plume was going into the into the atmosphere, catching the upper-level winds, coming right towards Seattle, and fine particles of ash were raining down on everyone's cars. That's insane. Wow. 100 miles really, away. Sc- really a scary situation, but, but the air quality has been so bad that masks, you know, masks, those yeah. particle masks that, that block that have been selling out from the stores. Oh and gosh. still, um, something that, a lot of people don't understand is only about a third of residences in the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area have air conditioning. Huh. We don't have AC. Most people don't, or a lot of people don't. New construction does. Right. But a lot of people don't. So you like to open your windows to mm. get some relief at night because it gets cool when we have hot days. 
and the hot days have coincided with the smoke, where we've had temperatures up around 90 degrees in the daytime, but the heat builds inside, so it's making for a lot of cranky people. Yeah, I bet. The wind is turning now. Oh, good. (laughs) Turning in a good way for you guys, like getting a little bit of improvement with the air quality? Right. We need we need the wind currents to turn off the Pacific Ocean. That's our conduit of fresh air. Okay. And most of the time, our wind is on shore. Uh, but the fires this year, uh, it's interesting. This this is actually likely how the Seattle area was, well, almost certainly how the Seattle area was back before civilization. Um, we had a lot more fires, a lot more episodes mm-hmm. of smoke in the air when there wasn't forest management like we have now. Yeah, And one true. can say that there are several things that are at work here. There's climate change causing warmer temperatures and drier summers, mm-hmm. although that appears to be just one driver. We don't know how much of a driver that actually is. Mm-hmm. We imagine that it is a driver, uh, and it would be folly to ascribe everything that's happening up here this year and last year to climate change because climate is not weather. Right. And we've mm-hmm. had a few very, very bad weather years mm-hmm. affecting the Pacific Northwest. Fire or forest management, the fact that we are um, putting out fires instead of letting them burn. Well, we understand why that why we want to put out the fires and not yeah. let them burn, because people are living closer and closer to the forest, yeah. whether it comes, whether it's Western Washington or California or Oregon or British Columbia. Mm-hmm. People are living closer to forest than ever before. So you put all this together, and it you know, basically put, have a big equal sign, and it says humans. <laughs> but all of this put together is causing a situation where these past couple of years are not necessarily the new normal, yeah. but they're indicative of they're indicative of what we're going to see with more regularity going forward, even though I think it'll still be rather abnormal what we've had the past couple of years. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, And you have a lot of other things that you deal with out on the West Coast. Uh, Recently, an earthquake occurred off the coast of Oregon. Uh, You don't have to necessarily speak to that earthquake, but what is it like living in an area where you can have earthquakes of that magnitude or, you know? Well, unlike California, we don't have... Okay, knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did it for minutes. you. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't have earthquakes in the in the Pacific Northwest with regularity, not even close than they do down right. in Southern California mm-hmm. or even Northern California. Uh, we we have a significant earthquake here in the Pacific Northwest uh, about on average every fifty years. Okay, and and our last one was in the years it was in um, the year two thousand, uh, the the Nisqually earthquake over two thousand one. And what we do watch very closely is the Cascadia subduction zone. And there were mm-hmm. some earthquakes. There was actually an earthquake with a greater than magnitude 6.0. Oh. It was a 6.2 along the subduction zone off the coast of Oregon. And this is mm-hmm. several hundred miles off the coast of Oregon. Uh, and that was uh, uh, back yesterday, uh, early morning hours. Mm-hmm. And what, what you have off the coast, we, we're all sitting on tectonic plates. Right. These are all plates of Earth's crust that are and mantle that are floating around on this big molten uh, ball of iron yeah. Yeah. that we call the Earth. <laughs> so we're all sort of floating around and bumping into each other. We have the North American plate, and then we have that's what we're sitting on. Right. 
and here even in the Pacific Northwest and there in Dayton. Offshore, you have the, the Juan de Fuca plate, which is a large plate, and, and you have the Pacific plate. You have a lot of smaller plates that, that sort of are rotating around. Mm-hmm. But the Juan de Fuca plate is actually sliding under the North American plate. And so it's sliding to the east and kind of sliding under the North American plate. When you get two plates that are sliding, especially one sliding under the other, you get a lot of friction. Yeah. And eventually that, that friction lets go, that, mm. that, that tension lets go in the form of an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And so the last big Cascadia subduction zone earthquake, which can produce earthquakes 8.0, 9.0, was back in 1700. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> and I don't have the date here. That's, yeah. uh, back in 1700. It's been a long time. Yeah. And there's about a 10% probability we expect of a magnitude 9.0 or higher earthquake on the subduction zone in the next 50 years. Wow. So that's something that we have to get used to. Now, a 9.0 earthquake on the subduction zone does not mean a 9.0 earthquake like on the San Andreas. Right, right, right. It's not the same, yeah. The effects will be different. Um, The effects would be very bad, very bad shaking in the Northwest, not like, not probably quite as bad as the big one in Southern California. Mm -hmm. But we could expect a big tsunami. Right. And we can actually time out the 1700 earthquake to the day and almost to the hour (laughs) because a big tsunami hit Japan. And in the year 1700, they had very meticulous records that were kept. And so you can actually time just about to the hour when that earthquake happened, even though it was in 1700. Wow. That's insane. But we have, other, we have other faults that run under the Seattle area yeah. that are potentially just as dangerous and let go more often. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's just something we have, to be, we have to be watchful of up here. And, of course, we live in a in an area with volcanic activity, Mount Rainier being one of the most dangerous volcanoes in uh, North America because so many people, it towers over Seattle. And so many people live in the shadow, practically in the shadow of that that volcano. It's it's quiet now. Hopefully it'll stay that way. Yeah. Well, one more question before we let you go. I know it's so early out there. (laughs) You're the best. A little bit of a lighter or darker note, should I say. Yeah. Last year, almost to the day, um, you had a total solar eclipse yeah and we're gonna have one in Dayton Ohio in 2024 what was that like it was it was truly otherworldly uh, <laughs> I have been through a few partial solar eclipses as, mm-hmm. as many of us have uh, we took off and went to Madras Oregon in the Oregon high desert uh, east central Oregon uh, took about five hours five six hours to get there about six hours to get there I point that out and I'll come back to why that was important here in a moment. <laughs> but when we got to Mattress, uh, oh, there must have been 100,000 people or more there in the Mattress area. Oh, tiny my town. goodness. A little, just a beautiful area. And uh, there was actually some smoke in the sky, but uh, when, when that, er, when that um, eclipse happened, it was truly amazing because um, we, you saw it start to get dark off to the west. Mm-hmm. It got a little darker, even though the skies were were clear mm-hmm. very strange uh and then in the minutes a couple of minutes before the actual total uh, before totality mm-hmm. everything boy the way i described it to people because everyone wanted, wanted to know what it feel like what did it mm-hmm. sound like yeah um everything got dim and and think about okay uh, think about a summer's day when you're out 
laying by the pool, getting some sun, McCall getting freckles. Yeah. When you get up, when you open your eyes and you look around, your eyes have been exposed to the sun even though your eyes have been closed for so long. Everything's very dim. Yeah. Even though it's a bright, sunny day, if you've ever experienced that, that's what it, that's what it was like. That's crazy. But in the 10 to 12 seconds right before totality, it's like somebody took the dimmer switch and just turned it almost off. Oh, that's so weird. It was, it was that fast. That and of course, crazy. everyone starts screaming and yelling. Right. Going crazy, beating drums. It was, it, was, it was just amazing. And then totality was was really amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you, you know, you could see off, off in the distance all around you, even though everyone's fixated up, I was looking around. Right. I, this, was, this was a meteorological science nerd opportunity of a lifetime (laughs) and so i would say don't just focus on totality yes you can take your glasses off marvel at that and then spin around 360 degrees okay Mm -hmm. look how on the horizon it's daylight but above you it's it's nighttime and you can see stars oh it's so cool bright stars and planets (laughs) that sounds amazing couple of minutes and then it gets light just like somebody took takes the dimmer switch, takes it back up again. <laughs> was and it so, was it close it to sunrise for you guys? To drive to Madras, Oregon. It took sixteen hours to drive <gasps> oh. back to Seattle. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh! Because everyone was done, and they're like, "Okay, time to go." <laughs> oh, it took Yikes. two hours to get out of that. So if you travel somewhere, I will say, if you travel somewhere, do not expect to travel to the path of totality. Right. See totality. And be able to travel back if, if you're, especially if you're in an area. If you're trying to turn a story road. that night. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to be. We in are the in the path of totality. We're in the path of totality. So, Morgan, if you want to come yeah, out you're and more stay than, with let us, let them fly you to out to date again. And you could come be a part of our, our broadcast. Absolutely. I, I have family in the Fort Worth area, Fort Worth, <gasps> Dallas. There you go. Totality's going right over there, too. There you go. Uh, I, I, make, I have plans to be. I have plans to be there or where you are. Here, here's my plan. My plan is to take my whole family to Kirsty's house yes. and rent my house on Airbnb. <laughs> I will split the profit. There you go. We'll have people camping in my backyard. It's going to be great. People made a lot of money doing that. Oh, they goodness. Did. I'm Very sure fun. they did. But, Morgan, this was absolutely fantastic. I think anyone that's Thank not you. familiar with the Pacific Northwest, you did such a good job explaining some of the nuances in your forecasting and past events and, you know, what's going on with the air quality if there's, you know, people, family members off, you know, over by you. So we really, really appreciate it. And remember, everyone, he works nights and he literally woke up and called us <laughs> at 7 a.m. So his time, which is insane. Yeah. We appreciate that. And as we mentioned earlier in our podcast here, he is very active on social yes. media. and. A good follow. It's, yeah. We're not just pushing it. He's funny. He's very yeah. interesting. And you learn a lot of weather, especially if you're interested in the Northwest. Morgan, tell everybody where they can find you and what platforms. Yeah. Sure. I'm uh, on, on Twitter. I'm most active on Twitter. And I know a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. But it's my news feed. I'm at Morgan Cairo 7. That's Morgan K-I-R-O and then number 7. Facebook.com slash Morgan Cairo 7. And I love Instagram as well. I'm on there all the time. And, uh, Instagram, it's, it's, it's all Morgan Cairo 7. That's easy. We can or just put that. my name Morgan Palmer into Google and you'll find me. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Morgan. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. Morgan was amazing. He was. I just love learning really the details of what's going on in other parts of the country, mm-hmm. you know, and especially from a meteorologist like him, like we said, super entertaining, super intelligent, and just really a great 
follow. Um, we've gotten to meet him a couple times, so yeah, he's, he's always awesome to see. And it was literally just scratching the surface of like <laughs> yeah. what happens in Seattle. I, right. It's like one of those places that yes. you just hear, oh, it just rains all the time right. there. Uh, no one wants to live there. Yeah. But you know, he talks about how beautiful you know life is there yeah. and the country and then a lot going on there. Yeah. So. Um, but what I really did love was his explanation of what it was like for, for the, the eclipse. solar eclipse. Ugh. I'm super excited for yeah, 2024. Guys, 2024, Dayton, Ohio. Mark your calendars. We are pumped. Yeah. Uh, speaking of astronomy, it's that time of our podcast. And what I'm first going to talk about is the fact that we've got a full moon, mm-hmm. August 26th, around 730 in the morning. Yes. It is known as the full sturgeon moon. Of course, we know every month has a different moon right, name. Right. Um, it will rise around 845 in the evening and doesn't set until about 8 a.m., meaning the entire night we will have a bright, bright full moon. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it won't be cloudy. I uh, know. I hope it isn't. But usually, even when it's cloudy, sometimes, I mean, as long as it's thin clouds, sometimes it makes the full moon look even cooler. Mm-hmm. And remember as well, uh, because it sets and rises right when a lot of people are awake, 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., mm-hmm. it's going to look huge on the horizon. Oh, and yeah. That is always the best. We always get really good photos. Um, what also has looked really good near the moon the past couple of days has been the planet Mars. Mm-hmm. Mars really since July has been awesome. Um, it was one of the years where uh, during its orbit it gets closer to Earth, but this is relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it appear very bright. 2017, it was kind of a dim year for Mars. So it wasn't a super bright uh, year. This is also a year where I don't know if you've seen online or not the hoax that um, on August 27th, Mars and the moon are going to be the same size <laughs> in our skies. So, like when you look up at night, you'll see the moon and then you'll see like a double moon. That's not true. <laughs> Unfortunately, that just will not happen, cannot yeah. happen, physically cannot happen. Cannot happen. Um, because think about this. So to us in our night sky, um, the moon is one light second away from us. And Mars is like several minutes, if not almost 20 minutes, light minutes away from us. So do you yeah. know, like minute to second, like that's just the uh, kind of like a way to think of how much further away yeah. Mars is compared to how close our moon is to the planet Earth, which is why mm-hmm. it looks so big in our night sky. Um, will Mars look good for the next several nights? Of course. Yeah, it's still yeah. very bright in August. And it is also in opposition, or it was. So that means that when the sun rises, uh, Mars is setting. And when the sun sets, Mars is rising. So yeah. It's awesome. It's got a reddish tint. Uh, our last podcast uh, with um, Joe Childers, he kind of explained like that for women, sometimes you can mm. tell it's a little, it bit a little bit more red. orangish red. It's more vivid, um, but you can't miss it. So I'm sorry that it's not going to be the size of the moon. That is an internet hoax that yeah. resurfaced, I think, likely because of the fact that everyone was saying like, oh, Mars is going to be slightly closer to the Earth and that it'll be brighter this year and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So maybe that's why it came maybe. Yeah, out. I have no idea where that would have come know. from. But I will say this astronomy thing. I was in Myrtle Beach and yeah. we did a night walk on the beach <gasps> and it was a clear night. Oh. And you would have been so proud. I turned to my family. I go, there's Mars. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. You're that orange star right there. That's not a star. That's Mars. I'm like, wow. And then we looked over to the moon. And there was Jupiter and Venus. And so then I I was like, that's Jupiter and Venus. And my mom goes, are you joking? And I was like, no. No, Mom. Those are planets. And she turned to my accent, by the way. Are you joking? Are you joking, McCall? McCall, are you joking? Jared, which is my brother's name. Jared, did you know those are planets up there? And I'm like, 
uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. And so then it became a big thing, and everybody stopped in their tracks, and Aww. and and then it's I got so Gia. I was like, Gia, what's that? And she'd say, Moss. And then I and, and then she knew the moon, moon. And she's just learning words. So, so I felt cool. very special that I and that smart you know and nerdy. Things. Oh yeah, we're all super nerdy. <laughs> uh, we're nerdy. It's great. We love people that can like you know point out. I've got lots of people on Facebook that even point out some of the planets that I'm like, ooh, I wasn't paying attention to that mm-hmm. one. So thanks. Um, websites also, of course, Skywitness Seven. We always have updated videos and things like yeah. that that you can check out. Um, uh, some resources that I'll use, I'll use NASA. They talk a lot about planets that are visible. Space.com does. EarthSky.com. Those are all like good resources yeah. if you want to do things yourself. And we always put them together for you so you can like know what to look for. Yeah. And also another place to get those videos is now on yeah. your streaming devices. Woo. If you have Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire. I don't know. What Prime. I don't have that one. <laughs> I, I have that. Roku, though. Um, if you search for the WHIO app, yes, on there, all of our uh, astronomy videos are on there also with weather updates. But yeah. it's cool. You're just sitting on your TV and trying to find something to watch if you're someone that's cut the cord yeah. and just using streaming devices. That's how you can find it as well. Um, but as always, thank you for joining us on Cloudy with a Chance, a podcast. Please share, let everybody know about our podcast. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, you can always subscribe, download, and listen on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.